0: It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's prophecy update, Pastor JD shifts focus slightly and discusses why the rapture must come before the tribulation according to biblical truth. He uses an acrostic of rapture to explain biblically. Christians should be encouraged and hopeful regarding the imminent second coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, Don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on August 9th, 2020.
1: Before we jump into this, I want to address the question of why this and why now? I have two main reasons. The first of which is because of the swiftness with which everything that we're told will happen during the seven year tribulation is beginning to happen now. Very fast. Swiftly. I mean breakneck speed in Luke's gospel chapter 21 verse 18 Jesus said when you see these things begin keyword to come to pass then look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh so in other words when you start seeing these prophecies beginning to come to pass. Prophecies that we know from Scripture will ultimately find their fulfillment in and during the seven-year tribulation, and they're already starting to happen now. I like the, the best illustration I ever heard was that of Christmas and Thanksgiving. You know how during that time of the year you go into the malls, all of the decorations and the signs are up for Christmas. And it's earlier and earlier every year. Have you noticed this? So like September, you already have Christmas, you know, stuff up. It's only September. So uh, here's the thing. You go in and you see all of the signs up for Christmas, but Thanksgiving is before Christmas. So if Christmas is that close, how much closer is Thanksgiving? You get the point? When you see the, the signs of all of these prophecies in the tribulation already up, and running, so to speak, and the rapture like Thanksgiving is before Christmas like the second coming, how close are we? That's why we're talking about this now. The second reason really ties into the first, and it's that if we as Christians are unsettled concerning the pre-trib rapture, let me back up, the sound doctrine of the pre-trib rapture, then we, in effect, give Satan a blank check to fill in the amount of doubt and fear in our lives. Because if I'm not sure, I'm uncertain, I'm not really convinced, I don't really believe, then that's a game changer. That changes everything. Now I'm not looking for Jesus Christ, I'm looking for the Antichrist. I'm facing a very serious life and death for all eternity decision about whether or not I'm going to accept the mark of the beast, which is already in play, and the technology already in play, and the anti-Christ system already in play. It's already here. It's just a matter of time. Bible prophecy has what I like to refer to as a shelf life, an expiration date. You know, when you have things in motion and you have this momentum, there's no pushing the pause button. It's that proverbial, when the iron is hot, strike. Strike when the iron's hot. Or as we've heard it said more times than we care to remember or mention, never let a good crisis go to waste. I would venture to say this is not a good crisis. This is a near-perfect crisis. I mean, if you wanted to come up with the perfect crisis, this would be it. I have to confess that just going back through my archives to prepare for today's teaching has really greatly encouraged me, uh, renewed my hope, and reinforced my faith. Because I have to confess, I mean, I'm looking at all that's happening, and I'm like, it better be a pre-tribulation rapture, right? And it is. And it's my hope and my prayer that you will be greatly encouraged today and renewed in your hope and strengthened in your heart. So, what follows are seven of the many reasons, proving a pre-tribulation rapture, and I put it in the form of an acrostic of the word rapture. The revelation to us, the effect upon us, the purity of us, the trumpets for us, the uniformity with us, the responsibility on us, and the encouragement from us. How clever is that? I came up with this 11 years ago. Give me a break. (laughs) I kind of like it. Hope you do too. It's an easy way to remember. Let's start with the first reason. The revelation to us from the book of Revelation. The only book in all of the Bible that promises a blessing to those who read it, hear it, and take it to heart. No other book in the entire Bible has a blessing like that in the book of Revelation. And yet, sadly, it is the one book of the Bible that Christians avoid like the plague. And in so doing, they are robbed of the blessing that awaits, and they're afraid of it. You know, it's so apocalyptic, which is actually what the word revelation in the original Greek comes from, apocalypsos where we get our English word apocalypse. And so when you hear that word, what, what do you, you know, imagine or picture in your mind's eye? Apocalypse, oh no. You know what actually it really means? It's an unveiling, a revealing. I know this is deeply profound. Revelation, revelation, It's an unveiling, a revealing of future events. That's what the book of Revelation is. In verse 19 of chapter 1, one has referred to this as the divine outline in the book of Revelation. John is told by Jesus to write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this, metatauta in the Greek, after these things. In other words, John, write that which you were an eyewitness of past, write that which is now present, and write that which is yet future. Past, present, and future. And so the whole book of Revelation can be divided by way of this divine outline, past, present, and future. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and all the way through to the end of the book is yet future. So John writes, verse 1, Revelation 4, after this, this is future now, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So John is, if you will, raptured up, caught up, taken up to heaven, and then Jesus says, come up here, and I'm going to show you now what's going to happen how cool is that? So here's the thing. You have now in this divine outline, past, present, and future, proof of a pre-tribulation rapture. And I'll tell you how I get there. Chapter one is past. All chapter one is about is Jesus Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, and glorified. Past tense. That which you have seen. John was an eyewitness of it. Chapters 2 and 3, present, church history, seven letters to seven physical churches in modern-day Turkey, known then as Asia Minor, written by John, inspired by Jesus, and sent to these seven churches in that region at that time. That's church history. And here's the thing. The word church is mentioned 19 times in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Do you know how many times it's mentioned after chapter 4, verse 1? Zero. See, chapters 4 and 5, really the rapture, chapters 6 through 19, all about the seven-year tribulation, Chapter 20, the millennium. Chapters 21 and 22, the new heavens and the new earth. That is a beautiful, magnificent, divine outline in the book of Revelation. Now, why isn't the church mentioned in chapters 6 through 19 all about the tribulation? Because the church is not in the tribulation. Doesn't that make sense? Well, then one might ask, well, yeah, but what about those that uh, are, are saved in the tribulation? They're not the bride. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. They're affectionately referred to as tribulation saints. These are those who will reject the mark of the beast and the Antichrist. They will accept Jesus Christ, and they will die for their faith, and they will be martyred, and even as we've talked about before in prior updates, beheaded. Those are not the bride. They are saved Christians. Uh, when you get into Revelation, they are serving at the throne, but the bride is seated with Christ on the throne. Make that delineation, that distinction between the two. They're not the bride. They're not going to be complaining, believe me. <laughs> but they're just not the bride, the bride of Christ. All right, the second reason. The rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation because of the effect upon us. Let me explain. Knowing that the rapture can happen at any moment should and even will have a profound effect on how we live our lives in this world. This is what's known as the doctrine of imminence. I love that word imminent because it's kind of one of those words that sounds like what it is. Any minute. Imminent. imminent. I know that's not the literal definition just, you know, indulge me, but the doctrine of imminence is this sound doctrine that nothing has to happen before the rapture happens that the rapture can happen at any time. It is imminent. It can happen at any minute. Okay, that's the last time I'll do that, so. (laughs) And because of that, it should have such an impact on how we live our lives. Matthew 24. To me, one of the most powerful and profound parables the Savior ever taught. Beginning in verse 45, Jesus speaking, Jesus teaching says, "'Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns, truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But, verse 48, by way of contrast, suppose that servant is wicked. And he says to himself, come on, My master is staying away a long time. He delays he's coming. He's not coming back. They've been saying he's coming back for generations. And what's the impact? What's the effect? Verse 49, well, he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. And then we're told, verse 50, the master of that servant, interesting detail, will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what the greatest lie is? The greatest lie from the pit of hell is not there is no God or even that there is no heaven. Not even that there is no hell. Those are all lies. But the greatest lie is not there's no heaven or there's no hell. The greatest lie is there's no hurry. There's no urgency. We still got plenty of time. Party on. (laughs) Not the righteous servant not the good and faithful servant, well done. Why? Because he lived with that expectancy, the anticipation of the imminent return of his master who could come at any time. And so he lived his life always ready, always watching, which is the exhortation throughout Scripture. Is to be ready, be watching, so that when he comes, it will not be for you as a thief in the night. Second Timothy chapter four, verse eight, I love this promise. This is a go-to, man. Paul's at the end of his life now. And he says, verse eight, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. I've run the race, I've I've fought the fight. <laughs> And now, what awaits me, what's in store for me, is this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, get this, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Oh my goodness. You know what this means? The crown of righteousness that awaits those of us who are watching longing aching begging waiting wanting the Lord to return 1 John chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 Dear friends now we are children of God and What we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And then he says this, verse 3, listen very carefully, all who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Let me first say what John is not saying here. He's not saying that we have this propensity or potential in and of ourselves to cleanse ourselves or purify ourselves. No. This is John saying, listen, um, you're the bride of Christ. And the bride, we're going to talk about this in a moment, uh, is a pure virgin bride. And you're made pure by way of Christ's imputed righteousness. And... What John is saying is, if you're really longing for his appearing, you're going to get your affairs in order. You're going to get serious about the things of God. You're going to get right with God, and you're going to be ready for the Lord's return. Well, this brings us to our third reason, really ties into it, and it's the purity of us as the bride of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 2 and 3, Paul says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. And here's why. He says, I promised you, betrothed you to one husband. You're engaged to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But... I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What Paul is describing here, and he echoes it in his other letters, is that we are the bride of Christ, engaged to Christ soon to be married at the marriage to Christ. To me one of the most convincing and compelling proofs of the pre-tribulation rapture is that of the ancient Jewish wedding customs which paints this magnificent picture of a pre-tribulation rapture. It also answers the often asked question of whether or not Jesus ever taught a pre-tribulation rapture. And thankfully, not only did Jesus teach this, the Gospels are replete with Jesus speaking as a bridegroom to his bride, and they would have known it. They would have understood it. Many of you know that I was asked to be a part of Before the Wrath by Brent Miller Jr., the executive producer of Ingenuity Films and it was such a privilege because the film is all about this typology. And it's available on Amazon Prime. I would encourage you to watch it if you haven't already. It's a very well done film specifically about the typology in The Galilean Wedding. So what follows is a brief explanation as to why it is that the rapture of the Bride of Christ absolutely has to happen before the seven number of completion year tribulation. Let's start with the first one. In the Jewish wedding there's a marriage covenant, ketubah, and it's made in writing for the bride as a promise to the bride that it will be fulfilled. You know, it's that, it's that promise ring when you're engaged. This is a promise, a covenant. With our wedding, a new covenant is made in the written word of God for us as the bride, and the old covenant promise is fulfilled. They would then, once this covenant was made they would break bread and drink from the cup to seal the betrothal kiddushin, of this new covenant. With our wedding he breaks bread and drinks from the cup at the last supper with the disciples sealing his new covenant in his blood. That was all about the bridegroom with the bride and the promise of this wedding that was coming. That's what the whole Last Supper was about.
0: Thanks for joining us for this special Mid-East Prophecy Update edition of In Spirit and Truth. We understand how important it is to know what God's Word says, especially in our world today. All around us, we see violence and despair running seemingly unchecked. We do what we can to alleviate these crises we encounter, but all the while, we know evil is waiting right around the corner. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return one day and finally wipe the enemy's influence from the face of the earth forever. This event is closer than we may think, and it's important to know what to expect. The prophecies we read in the Bible can be confusing, but they do provide us with clues as to what we'll see unfolding in our world as we near the return of our King. Each week in the Mideast Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the current events happening around the globe and holds them up to the lens of God's Word. He shares what God reveals to him with you each week. This information is not meant to scare you but rather to inspire you to take the gospel message out into the world. Every person needs to have the chance to meet Jesus before he returns and to know what his love and grace can do for them. These Mid-East Prophecy Updates are available to you on our YouTube channel as well or through our mobile app. Visit inspiritandtruthradio.com to find links to both. Thanks for listening today and be sure to join us for the next update right here on In Spirit and Truth.